This is your host, Rachel Franklin, with Already Dead, a sexual assault discussion podcast. A quick PSA, as I just mentioned, we will be discussing topics surrounding sexual assault, so if you feel like you need a break at any time from listening, please take one. This is a space for healing, for learning, and for creating community. He didn't make me feel like I wanted to die, he just made me feel like I was already dead. Alrighty, I have back with me Ella Farron O'Neill for the second half of my interview with her. We are going to be diving further into her work with Safe Bay, which advocates for consent education amongst teens, and her underwear line, Ask First, which helps fund Safe Bay's work. So tell me a little bit about how Ask First started. So Ask First, it really sort of, after Daisy passed, that honestly fueled me to start a new project because I had been working on the film for the last three years. So Mm -hmm. after she passed, like, I literally didn't know what to like do with myself. Like she was someone that I talked to like every day. Like it just, I didn't know what to do with myself whatsoever. Um, And so like to cope, I started doing some like digital art and I was just kind of like messing around with, different designs like different not even designs just like different little like punk type like flash art Mm -hmm. and um I was like you know these would be really cute on underwear (laughs) and it just sort of like the ball started rolling really quickly on the idea and I was like I'm just gonna like do this so it like literally within like it was a fast process like I launched the kickstarter maybe like 60 days after I came up with the idea and I like did a little shoot and launched the Kickstarter. We had like over 150 backers raised over like 15 grand. And that was well enough for me to jumpstart the company. Mm -hmm. Um, All with the mission of course, to fund the free work that safe Bay does. Got it. It was just positives all around. I get to be creative and express myself with my brand. Cause I'm like a, edgier person I like Mm -hmm. darker stuff I like darker aesthetics and safe bay doesn't really fit my like yeah it's not meant to fit my vibe so this is kind of like this is kind of a cool thing because I feel like I'm creating a survivor-based community that just like gets it and like Mm -hmm. or just like just vibes with me like we have the same vibes and like it's been cool because I feel like I haven't gotten to do something that's kind of like me you know yeah I really love project-based work like I'm thinking about going into film right now working on documentaries myself but like just doing this podcast like I I just love project-based work I think it's really how do I say it's very um rewarding yeah no it is I I am not I've worked on a lot of documentary stuff and I do like it. I do not like directing for sure. I do not like (laughs) directing documentary at all. Um, I definitely learned that while producing uh, Saving Daisy Mm -hmm. and trying to direct it. I just like, I'm much more of like a producer or like first assistant director is more my, is definitely what I think my long-term career will be is to be like a, first assistant director, creative producer, something like that. What do you like about those positions more? So, like, with first assistant directing work, I I love managing 
you know, all different aspects of the project. And I love scheduling and um, like time management and really running a set. I love running a set. It's, I have a very powerful voice mm-hmm. and I just love making sure like everyone's doing what they, you know, making sure the show runs smoothly is like what I think is my strongest trait as well as scheduling shots mm-hmm. shot lists and all of that. That's like literally one of my favorite things to do. And then also just collaborating with all different departments. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, I like to collaborate as well. I think it's... Yeah, and I don't like, I don't, it's not my thing. I like contributing to the conversation. Like, I have creative ideas mm-hmm. that I think are very good and help, but I don't want to be in charge of, like, the entire yeah. look of the film. Like, that's not something that I want to do. I'd rather, like, manage everybody. Mm-hmm. I also think, like, when you're in charge of something big, you have to focus more on, like, everyone's idea more than just your own. So you don't really get to put that creative input in as much sometimes. Right, yeah. What you were saying about Ask First with more of an edgier vibe. I definitely have seen that. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, of course. Um, but a lot of people expect certain things out of you after a sexual assault. Like they expect you to um like I know my grandma like is always like, I don't understand why you like like horror movies. Like <laughs> um just edgier stuff um people just don't really expect you to want to look at that kind of thing after you've been through a a traumatizing experience a lot of people don't think it's okay for you to explore like a darker side of your creativity after you've been through a trauma what's how why do you like doing that and what's good about that for you and then um another question i had was what's being in a relationship after sexual assault like for you okay so first answer first question um that's literally like what I love so much about starting this brand is because I absolutely hate that narrative that Mm -hmm. survivors are supposed to act a certain way after they're assaulted Mm -hmm. like I literally had an experience with an organization that approached me right after my assault um that really like ended up taking advantage of me and my story and they had this you know men they wanted to make us like these little cookie cutter girls that were poster children for you know Mm -hmm. sexual assault like I just think that is so wrong like I and like you'll even see people be like you're a survivor of sexual assault you should be doing this you you should believe this you should be saying this Mm -hmm. you should blah 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 there's like you hear that a lot as a survivor yeah at least I have like for the last 10 years sick of it hate it Mm -hmm. absolutely hate it um and my response to that is is this brand because it's literally like fuck that I just feel like we can express ourselves and creatively however we see fit and if someone doesn't like it then they can literally kick rocks like (laughs) they don't have to be a part of it yeah Um, and I think coming to terms that was actually something that was hard for me to come to terms with um because I did want to like please people Mm -hmm. after like I felt like almost like more of a need to like you know be what people expected of me Mm -hmm. after the assault like I feel like there was a heightened um need for that 
And as soon as I was able to realize that, like, I think because, like, I would be, like, um, how do I want to say this? I think, because I was a very outspoken person, especially in high school, mm-hmm. and, like, uh, like, a lot of other things, you know, sort of, like, happened to me, like, after the assault mm-hmm. and I would always like think like if someone didn't like me like it was because of like what happened to me do you know what I mean um or like I would always like tie it back to that I would be like they don't like me because I'm like I'm like this because of because this happened to me like mm-hmm. am I making sense a little bit I know, I, I know a little like, bit of what you're saying. This is, like, such a hard thing, I feel like, for me to explain. Yeah. Um, but there's, like, a good out there. Like, I have, like, a good reason for explaining it. Um, I just realized that, like, not everybody is going to support you or like you just because you went through something bad Mm -hmm. you know um and I just feel like it took me like a a little bit of time to like realize that like people don't really care what you've been through I kind of lost where I was going with that um that's okay but yeah what was the original question (laughs) this I'm so like I asked like two so it's my bad um my question was about how, um, Oh, how do I deal with people like not vibing with the brand? Right. Along the lines of that. Yes. Just how like people expect you to be versus how you want to. Yeah. Portraying the brand is like your own creative space. Yeah. Or people will be like, I don't know. People are so weird, especially on TikTok. I feel like I get the, like, obviously the most engagement from like, opposing people on tiktok obviously okay i'm um, how does that opposing what like uh, oh my god people i didn't even realize how many opinions there would be on this brand until i started marketing it on tiktok because when i first started this brand i'm like there's literally no way like what is how could you someone think of something negative about this brand like there's literally no negative yeah but sure enough tiktok totally proved me wrong on that um in the sense that people are either just, like, ignorant and don't care to, like, actually, like, look at the work that we're doing, or they just feel like talking about consent isn't going to change the culture or mm-hmm. stop the problem. And I think that's a really ignorant thing to believe, but there are people that believe that, and I just have to work on not reacting to people like that because that just does nothing except exhaust my energy and if they want to be ignorant like that I can't control that Mm -hmm. um but it is hard because I I do get angry like I really don't like like I'm definitely not meant to be someone that's famous because I can't or not even famous just have people constantly being negative like that is really hard for me Mm -hmm. um Especially about this, because it's such, like, a... A passionate topic. It's such a sensitive topic, and damn. Like, I'm, like, 
trying to do something good. Like, it's there's just, like, a lot of layers of emotions to it. But I do feel like I've learned, I've definitely, like, gotten better and stronger about, like, not letting that affect me and just keep keep doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm never going to stop. Like, I'm not going to just stop because user 5057 yeah. doesn't like my idea. Like, it's just, you know. Yeah. I remember looking at the comment sections on TikTok and a lot of people asked the question, uh, are these underwear really like, going to stop a rapist? Um what do you what yeah. do you want to say to people asking that question? So my thing is is like when you see like someone wearing like a cancer awareness shirt, you don't look at them and say like, oh, you know, like the cancer, you know, your shirt's not going to stop the cancer. <laughs> like what? That's such a weird first thought because I never once said and I never have ever marketed our products as something that would stop a rapist. Ever. Mm-hmm. So I do find it interesting that, like, when I talk about advocating for consent and consent education, that people's first immediate thoughts are that that's not going to stop a rapist. Mm-hmm. And there's two different, two different things with that. It's either because you believe that the, the only real type of rape that happens is, is, is the rape that when someone's waiting in a back alley to hit you over the head and sexually assault you, or you you don't think that like reminding someone to ask for consent like I just don't understand that mm-hmm. that mindset yeah it doesn't make sense to me it's the most bizarre thing I did not ex- I was so confused when this was like the reaction to my first viral TikTok <laughs> that got like six million views I was so confused yeah it's a uh... I thought it was kind of disturbing too. <laughs> like it's just like weird. Like I just, it's weird. Like why is and that your first thought? Like a lot of them have to just be like trolls that are just like yeah. trying to provoke people on the internet. Like I'm sure there's a lot of that, but I also do believe that there are people out there that like just are. And I also don't understand. Okay, if you want to say that, like if you want to be like, oh, you know consent education isn't going to stop the problem. Like your panties are never going to stop the problem. Okay. What's going to stop the problem then? Yeah. I would love to hear your input, Betty. Like what? It just <laughs> makes no sense to me. Um, do you watch TikTok too, or do you just create content? Oh no, I totally watch TikTok. Too. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Have you seen some of the trends discussing sexual assault in the app? Um, I feel like I have, but I'm sure I haven't seen like every single yeah. one. Um, some of them make me really upset. Like, there was one, an awareness trend, um, like the hand paint trend where you show a handprint where you'd been unconsensually touched. Um, oh, yeah. See, I never saw that. Yeah. Um, but I'm also, like, kind of new. Like, I okay. really only got, like, really into TikTok, like, six months ago. Okay. Okay. Have you ever done anything like that? Like, um, like one time I made, like, a painting highlighting those spots for me because like they were trigger spots and it just kind of helped me understand like my triggers um that's really beautiful yeah have you ever done anything like that um you know I haven't I really haven't done um I haven't really done a project that like was like centered around like my assault I want to um but, and I think that time will come. I would love to do something, like, whether it be, like, 
some sort of like shoot or like a short film or something, I think I will definitely do that. Mm-hmm. I just don't know when, but I love that idea. I think that's like so beautiful. I love all of the, it's been really great to see like how many people, um, especially like on the app are, you know, like survivors connecting with survivors. I yeah. think that's really cool. I think that's very awesome as well. Um, it, TikTok's definitely like more, it's a, since you can see so many different things on there, because it just pop up on your page, like it really just connects you with a bunch of random people that you never would have expected to find, which is kind of cool. Yeah. No, I'm such a fan of the app. Like I, I just coming from like a marketing background, like I have a minor in marketing and like I've been working in tech and like mm-hmm. for the last like five years on the side of working in film and like no app compares to tiktok like i'm barely on instagram anymore yeah i i would never use anything but instagram and tiktok yeah yeah I, like i don't know like facebook's just not it <laughs> no absolutely not um another trend uh was using one of billy eilish's songs bored um in the background it talked about the effects of sexual assault that often go unspoken about um one of them being blaming yourself for what happened, which we touched on a little bit earlier. Um, a lot of people don't understand these thoughts. And honestly, someone as someone who was sexually assaulted, sometimes I still think to myself, like, maybe he didn't know, maybe he didn't do anything wrong. And for me, I think I've used that thought as a way of coping. Um, but it's a really damaging thought to have. It took me months to admit it to myself what happened to me. And you don't want it to be true. What has your experience been with that and working with so many other survivors? What else can you say on that topic? Do you mean like, do you mean like thinking about, um, how it's not like your fault. whether they knew what they were doing or not, or thinking about like blaming yourself? Both. I have thought about both, of course. I think that this is kind of like a tricky. The, the whole thinking about whether they knew what they were doing or not is a conversation that I would like to have with more people mm-hmm. on this. Um, issue because I do think it would be really powerful to hear from men that have sexually assaulted and I know this is very controversial like this is a very controversial thought exactly Um, and I know people don't agree with this and I completely understand why and I think I'm kind of on the fence too about about this as well but I I do wonder if um what it would be like to hear from people who have sexually and I think there is a project out there that did do this mm-hmm. but they don't show the identity of the people but I do think it further shows that like um not all people who rape are these like serial killer like rapists that the media kind of like Mm -hmm. makes us believe like they're actually like this dude in your class they're your best friend they're right you could be a family member and I and I I I think that that's an interesting conversation to have because and there's so many layers to this, but like, there's also the lack of accountability 
for sexual assault over the last, like, several decades that people think that they can do certain things and, like, you know, it might not be right, but, like, they're not going to, like, go to jail over it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's, like, another big part of this issue, too, is, like, the justice side of it. Mm -hmm. Because if people think that they can get away with certain things like this, like, like, yeah, they're not going to care about consent education. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sorry, now I'm getting, like, well, that I'm like, like the most ADD person you'll ever talk to. I, I know, swear. I totally get that. <laughs> I totally get that. Um, yeah, no, like, on the legal side of things, it's also, on both sides, as a as a, um, a victim and a perpetrator, it's like, is something really even going to happen? And exactly, yeah. That's like, a scary I knew thought, too. With my case, specifically, and, like, there was a small investigation, um, but, like, I knew that, like, nothing was going to happen of it. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody, like, I feel like everybody collectively knew that, like, even if I did do everything I could and took this dude to court, like, I wasn't going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the case with, like, almost, like, oh, like, I want to say almost every survivor. Like, yeah, what is it, one in 1,000 rapists are actually prosecuted yeah it's something like that it's something ridiculous yeah um you did go to court or no um I didn't go to court but I did I I did um like file a police report and Mm -hmm. um I started like suppressing charges like process and there was like a small investigation but it was honestly the most like re-traumatizing process. It was the worst my mental health had ever been. I was self-harming like no other. I had been hospitalized like twice. I was having like PTSD-induced seizures. It was like they make at that time, like think about it. I was 14 and a half. Mm -hmm. Like I don't even know how I literally survived that time. Like it just, I, I had to make a decision. It was either going to be destroying myself to the bone or, or maybe a one in a million chance of this, of something actually happening to this dude. Like I, I had to make a choice to focus on myself and his name is still in both of their names are still in like police records like there's record of what happened right um but as far as criminally trying to get him that is something that i decided not to pursue um i've been i've been thinking about that as well just like filing a report because that is a really re-traumatizing process i've heard from many people yeah and a lot of people like judge me for it or used it as a way to that I was lying because I didn't try to press charges against him and that was something really hard that I had to deal with um because it was like I was damned if I did I was damned if I didn't yeah I I, definitely everyone's like personal choice I don't think that should be someone else's reaction to that and yeah and he could actually like the reason I was never able to 
one of the dudes came from like an exceptionally like rich mm-hmm. Texas family. Um, they like, there was like talk that if I even came out like with his name, that they would like sue me for defamation. Yeah. And like, yeah. Like, if you can fucking believe that. Um, no, I believe that. <laughs> yeah, and, like, honestly, one of the girls um, that one of the survivors that I got close with when I first started speaking out, she actually went to court um, because they wrote a rap song about her where they literally, like, say that they're going to kill her. Um. And she didn't even win that case. Oh, my God. So, and so she was going through that. She was, like, two years older than me. She was going through that. She had been going through that for, like, I think, like, three years at that time. And that was my example of the justice system at the time. I was like, there's no fucking way. Like, there's no way you're going to sit me in a room with them just for the judge to tell me that that I'm lying. Like, no, thank you. Sorry, I'll pass on that. Do you... What do you think you could do? What do you think that anyone could do differently? Maybe not through the justice system, since that's not necessarily always the best option. How do you uh, make someone like understand what they did was wrong? Um. Damn, that's a tough question. Um. Well. I, I don't even know if I can articulately answer that question because I feel like there's so many answers to that, like so many different scenarios. And like, I would never want to give someone advice on how to address their perpetrator because I don't know right, exactly. if it's safe or if it's, or if it's the right move. Cause like I said, if I went full balls to the walls and started name dropping the two dudes, like I, I could have very well gotten sued. Right. Or, like, they, 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 I mean, they had connections to several sketchy people. Like, who knows? They could come, come, they could come try to kill me, like, or my family. Like, there's just so many, I mean, and, well, I was violently assaulted, too. Like, it was, like, it wasn't just, like, it was, like, they, they, like, beat my ass and then sexually assaulted me. Like, it was, like, they were violent people and they were violent at school afterwards, too. So, I feel like... And for me particularly, like, I was worried for my safety for, like... Absolutely. um, A lot of the time. So I just feel like that's tricky, and I just feel like no one should comment on how... Like, I even see a lot of survivors, you know, like, they're sharing their story. They're looking for a safe space on TikTok. And you see people in the comments blasting them, like, don't be shy, name drop that person, like yeah blah 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 blah. without any regard for like is this person safe like yeah exactly and and i do think um that's another topic of conversation that that needs to be had um and it just goes back to like what are we doing as as uh, as humanity as a culture as communities to protect survivors of sexual assault and also like domestic violence like it, I mean, it, it goes hand in hand. Like, there really isn't, I don't think we've gotten there yet as a, as a culture to mm-hmm. favor protecting survivors over perpetrators. Well, definitely in our legal system, 
just looking Absolutely. at how the entire thing is set up. Um, it's always innocent until proven guilty. So I can get, I can understand how that is formed in a legal sense, but in a social sense, I wish that was a little different. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's like it's really, it's really actually a tricky, a tricky thing. I think about this too because I wouldn't want to change the innocent until proven guilty. Cause I think that protects everybody. Right. Um, obviously like that's why, like that sentiment alone, like stand alone. Um, like I wouldn't want to change that, but like, but yeah, like I said, and I think like a little bit, I think, I think cancel culture is so funny because Sometimes. I really do feel like we cancel like the dumbest. some people for really stupid reasons, yeah. but won't cancel like Chris Brown or like, yeah, or at least, like, it took, like, almost... Ten, I mean, people still like Chris Brown or, like, or Bill Cosby. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, so I I think that, like, yeah, it's tough. Like, I do feel like socially we are getting to a better place about, like, stripping privileges away from people that especially like public figures that have been like, I mean, I think the CNMA and Jack Wright thing is like, Mm -hmm. I mean, that was, I really do feel like that was like a groundbreaking situation. That was a perfect example of lack of consent education. Right. Like literally like even her whole, I would love to talk to CNMA actually. I would love if, if someone that like actually was an educator of genuine consent could sit with her and talk to her about what she did and why it was wrong. I think that would be really educational for a lot of people. Yeah. It, that's something that I think about a lot, not necessarily with this, that specific case, but just does that make it, it doesn't make it okay. No, no, it doesn't make it okay. Um, yeah. Like, whatsoever, obviously. Um, but I think that case, specifically, completely broke down the barriers of what people expect when they think about mm-hmm. um, a sexual assault that happens or a rape that happens. Like, yeah. that completely destigmatized like, what people think of in their head. Um yeah. And so I think that opened the door for like a bigger conversation around like, yeah, okay, do you guys understand now that like sexual assaults typically happen from people that you know and trust? It can even right. happen from a partner that right. you have had previous intimate situations with. Right. Um and and I wish that we saw more of that from that from that case. Like I don't think people actually really understand like cuz I don't know if you watched her um her uh what's it called like not clapback video but like her like response video yeah i did not oh you didn't watch it Mm -mm. oh it's really interesting like and it and it just in like it fully shows that like she still doesn't understand that like what she did was so wrong and it was sexual assault yeah because she was saying like she would be like she like what i thought was really interesting was she says more than on more than one occasion she's like jack and i we've we've like kissed we've been together like he's always so touchy and flirty with me okay so what exactly that doesn't matter 
if consent is ongoing, like, right. Just because it was a yes yesterday doesn't mean it's a yes today. Exactly. People don't get yeah. that at all. And that's what I, that's what I would have liked to see more conversation around. I think mm-hmm. like with her response video, um, yeah. Cause I still think she probably doesn't think she did anything wrong. I think she needs to be like, I mean, she's definitely being held accountable online. Like no one is right. going to ever work with her or anything in the future. Like she really, really, you know, she's definitely like right. going to be held accountable in that way. But I do think it would be powerful to, for her to actually understand like that she did something really wrong. You know yeah. what I mean? No, absolutely. Like, um, in my situation, like, I don't think well, I had a few situations and definitely some of them didn't understand that they had done something wrong. And I had said, like, it was someone I had, like, cared for. Um, and I was like, just look at yourself in the mirror and say you did something wrong and do better. Like, you can't change what you did. Um, yeah. And, like, I know it wasn't intentional, but you still did it. Did you have that conversation with them, actually? I did, yeah. You did? Yeah. Was it like uh were they like receptive or was it Um yes and no. Damn. Yeah. That's like really like I mean like that's really like brave of you though that you like confronted them and like told them like cuz I know that's like really hard to do. Yeah. I think a lot of that can be really healing sometimes, but also, like you said, like, just really depends on the situation because that can be really unsafe sometimes. Yeah. Um, so did you feel like it was, like, a little bit more of, like, a healing experience for yes. you or you don't really? I've, I've had a few of those experiences, honestly. Um, yeah. But I, I don't think I ever, I definitely never had an experience similar to yours where it was, like, a violent, very, very violent situation. Um so I was never concerned for, um, in the same way. Yeah. No. And I mean, like, that's like, and like what happened to me was like, uh, is I would say like out of all of us girls, even in Audrey and Daisy, like mine was the only one that was like actually violent per se, but like all the other girls, like it was such different, like so similar, but so different. Like right. Jada's like, Jada's like, her the whole thing with her case was that they they took a picture of her like I forget if it was I never looked because I like couldn't but like I don't know if it was like while they were doing it or after but she was like in this pose because she was completely knocked out and um like that went viral all over the country uh was this picture of Jada and it and there was like a hashtag like the Jada pose or something oh my god and like that was just something completely different than like Daisy's case like and Daisy's case was like uh, so different too like it was like her brother's best friend who you know like sexually assaulted her while she was passed out because she was drunk and then they left her and like I don't know if you're from did you walk out during Daisy I did but it was a long time ago oh okay so you know you know Daisy's story like she was left in like sub-freezing weather almost died from hypothermia like wow all of that that's insane but um 
like it's just and everybody's situation is just so so different and it and it really doesn't matter at the end of the day they're all equally as traumatizing yeah comparing i remember you talked about a little bit about comparing trauma earlier like yes yeah you can't you can't do that like exactly. literally i feel like a lot of i would find myself doing that especially like with the other girls mm-hmm. um or like i would be like I would be like, you shouldn't be as like, like I would get down on myself. Like you shouldn't be as like, um, like you're lucky you even have like a family. Like you're lucky your parents can like afford to get you therapy. And then I would like feel bad about myself. Cause like I had different situations than like other people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can't do that. I don't know. Whoever started this whole trend of people doing that, yeah. like, it's, you just can't do that. Like, we're all going through the same thing. It doesn't matter what the situation is. They are all equally as traumatizing. Like, period, yeah. end of story. Um, it, your your own traumas affect you in the same way that someone else is affected by their own individual things. It's not like... You can't compare exactly. different people's experiences because you're different. <laughs> yeah, I think that goes for, like, all areas of life, too. It's exactly. Like you, can't, you can't, like... You can't, like, hate yourself because your situation is different than someone in, you know, somewhere else or something. Like, right. you just, everybody, everybody is, has to take care of themselves the best way they can and their feelings are valid no matter what yeah. their circumstances might be. Um, one of the last two things, uh, you made an Instagram post um, that was super powerful at the end of 2021. And one main point you made was celebrating the fact that cells regenerate after eight to 10 years and that you have a body that according to, uh, that fact hasn't been touched by your attackers. I haven't heard many people talk about that concept, but that is something that I personally have always had in the back of my head. What's that feeling like? Um, I, it's something that like, I really struggled like putting into words and I like it's I just feel so like I mean I know it's just like a sentiment um of course like that you know I have a new body that they haven't touched but I also think what comes with that is that like I worked for this like I the fact that I'm still here like I I made it like through like the trenches of like when the trauma was, when the wound was so fresh and everything was so like out of 10. Um, and like, I think also like we see so many survivors that don't make it to the 10 year mark. Right. Because of how heavy the trauma is. And so I really wanted to celebrate the fact that like, I, I, I got here and like, yeah. I worked for it. Like I worked really hard on, on healing myself and like, and I wanted to, you know, talk about how, you know, there's people that don't make it to that, like Daisy, like, mm-hmm. and how frustrating that is. But it also like motivates me to, you know, keep going and to keep her legacy alive and to carry the torch. Um, but as far as, like, having a body that they haven't touched, like, it really is an incredible just feeling to have in the back of your head. Yeah. Um, after feeling so, like, dirty and, like, used and worthless and having that 
kind of like bad self-talk for so long. And like, I, I went through like that whole phase of like, just not even really taking care of myself or my body because I didn't feel like it was worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, to being here now and it just, I don't know how to describe it. Like it just feels different. Like I just feel like, I feel like stronger yeah. than ever, I guess. That's really powerful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting too. Like I have like, well, this is a whole different topic actually. Like I'll still have like, obviously like scars. Mm-hmm. Our tissue doesn't just go away after 10 years. Right. Um, but I feel like I've even surpassed, like, what I was told was kind of going to be, like, my life. Like, I was told after, because I had some, like, tears in my cervix and some other stuff that I would, like, never have an orgasm. Wow. Um, I did a, I actually did a talk with Teen Vogue about it with my now husband, but at the time he was just my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Um, But we did a talk about it um, because... Yeah, like, they, they said I would probably never have an orgasm, and that's not true. So, <laughs> I feel like it's been, I've kind of, like, proved yeah. myself and others wrong about what they said about me after the trauma. Yeah. You know? I mean, especially with, like, in your case, it was very violent. Um, that's That's incredible. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I was, like, really, really, <laughs> like... I was, like, really surprised, like, for sure. But life has been so different since that time. Yeah. Like, what a, what a game changer for life. Like, yeah. you know, but. Yeah. Um, I saw a post on Safe Bay about the Summer Activist Institute. What is that? So the Safe Bay Summer Activist Institute is going, we're, so we're flying out 20 high school students, um, that have a background in activism, whether, you know, they started a club at school or they've planned a protest. Um, They're going to be, they're going to get to do the sexual assault educational reform class, like courses Mm -hmm. with like some really cool people like Tori DeVito, um, that lawyer couple from TikTok um, and just like some other really cool people. Mm -hmm. And they'll also get to do, like, beach yoga. It's in South Portland, Maine. Like, it's going to be a really cool experience. They're going to get to meet, obviously, 20 other or 19 other people that are passionate about doing the same work. And then they're going to get to go back to their communities and actually put on the table some sexual assault reform for their high schools and communities. Yeah. Um, Whether that be, like, um, you know, getting consent education in their schools or, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. I mean, honestly, especially with what we were talking about with, like, how the legal system works, um, I think community-based concepts and especially consent education, I think that's very important and very effective. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be really cool, this Summer Activist Institute. Have you guys done that before? We did a summit, like, before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think it was 2019. Um, and that was like 200 plus students from all over, what was it? Yeah. South Portland, Maine. Um, 
that did the same type of courses. Um, so this is like a little bit different. It's like more um, really hands-on mm-hmm. because we really want these particular students to actually like go back to their communities and, and do some, you know, some heavy duty groundwork. Right. Um, so this is definitely more like intimate, like one-on-one, but the summit was really cool. I was one of the educational speakers for like two different courses at that summit. And it was just great to sit with like, a group of high school students and just like talk about, you know, these issues, they got to pick which courses they wanted to do. So like, I think like one of the courses I did was um, how to support your partner if they're a survivor. Um, It's a really great topic. It was really sweet. Like, like a lot of like partners came to the class and like, we're asking questions. It was literally the cutest thing I've ever seen. Like it was so cute. And, yeah, like, they were so into it, like, asking questions and all that is amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. You you also mentioned about, like, getting a consent, like, teaching consent certified. What's that? How do you do that? So that, you would go on our website, and I don't know exactly how it works, um, because that's not super my department. But I know that there's, like, a page on our website where you, like, submit a form, and then I'm pretty sure chill gets back to you and then like we send you the the course and then at the end of it you get um a certification i'm definitely gonna look into that or there's like there's a test or something i, Got I it. forget exactly how it works but we have a page on our website that talks about it really it's like one of the coolest things i think that we offer yeah that sounded really interesting i'm, I'm definitely gonna look into that <laughs> yeah uh how else c- can people get involved in sexual assault prevention um I really think, like, if you don't know what to do, like, just start a conversation. Like, if you have younger siblings or or you know someone in your life that's, like, that could benefit from understanding genuine consent, like, just have a conversation with them. Ask them what they know, what they think. Um, ask them, like, do you know what ongoing consent is? It doesn't have to be a sexual conversation. Mm-hmm. It could literally be making sure that someone wants to give you a hug. Like, we see we see um, elementary school kids starting to grasp the concept of consent at a very young age when, you know, they want to they wanna kiss their best friend on the cheek or give them a hug and the other person doesn't want it. That is when they, under, that is when they learn. Um, or even when they're going to a family event and your mom says you have to kiss grandma or like else, it's like, no, you want to, you want to have these conversations, like, you know, your body, bodily autonomy is up to you. And if you want to do that, mm-hmm. you decide. Um, so I really think like starting a conversation around the issue is one of the best things that you can do. And that's what I really love about Ask First is because I, I do love the idea of like, um, I think our designs are like, kind of put together in a way to where like it will leave someone asking um like what does your shirt mean Mm -hmm. um or something like that and I do think that although it is a very serious subject and topic I do think that we can go about it in a lighthearted way so that we can include everybody and someone doesn't feel like oh we have to have this daunting conversation about rape and sexual assault it's like no it doesn't have to be like that like we Mm -hmm. can make it a fun and engaging conversation so that more people are not getting hurt 
And yes. that was like the whole idea but with everything that we started. I love um, that. Is, yeah. Especially with like talking about like when you guys came to my school, like I felt like that conversation was very open to a lot of people. Um, and some people were like, this is a little childish but others like like I said like I didn't even have my first kiss at that point like everyone's on a different range and I think that really includes everyone in that conversation and kids like like you were saying like in elementary school they do um need to learn like hey you need to not touch your friend if your friend doesn't want you to touch them like it yeah it really does include everybody remember like as a kid like if, if if a dude just ran up and kissed you or hugged you or even pushed you down on the playground yeah. that was the first thing the teacher would say oh it means he likes you yeah it's not like you hear that all the time but I feel like people don't actually like digest what that means yeah and how early it, it we're really how early we're embedded to believe that yeah it, it contributes to the culture it contributes to rape culture we are quite literally living in a rape culture society. Mm-hmm. That's another conversation I definitely love to have because my my grandma's a preschool teacher, um, and like she witnesses stuff like that. Like boys like tackle one of the girls, and like it's like the parents oh, just your grandma's a preschool teacher. That's yeah. really cute. I... <laughs> yeah, there the grandmas that teach like elementary school are the best. Yeah, oh preschool. That's not even elementary school. Yeah, no, Sorry, but like you're saying the parents like laugh it off. Like, oh, he didn't mean it. Like. Yeah, see, like, that's scary. I will never be the mom that's like, my child could never do wrong. No, yeah, if no. I hear that my child does something like that, absolutely not. It's going to be all over for them. Exactly. Ugh. I hate when it people starts with it us, though. It starts with our generation. So, yeah. like, I have hopes for the future in that sense. I'm going to do a quick social media shout out. You can follow Ella O'Neill at Ella O'Neill underscore on Instagram. There is also Safe Bay's Instagram, which is safe underscore B-A-E. And you can follow Ask First at A-S-S-K-F-I-R-S-T dot shop. And they are also on TikTok and love their content. You should go check it out. And feel free to keep in touch with our podcast social media at Already Dead SA Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Alrighty, everyone. This is your host, Rachel Franklin. Thank you for listening to this episode of Already Dead, a sexual assault discussion podcast. I hope you were able to take away something positive from our conversation today. Wishing you all the best. See you next time with another episode of Already Dead.